This afternoon, we are focusing on Lord's Day 24 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 24. But why can our good works not be our righteousness before God, or at least a part of it? Because the righteousness which can stand before God's judgment must be absolutely perfect and in complete agreement with the law of God. Whereas even our best works in this life are all imperfect and defiled with sin. But do our good works earn nothing, even though God promises to reward them in this life and the next? This reward is not earned, it is a gift of grace. Does this teaching not make people careless and wicked? No. It is impossible that those grafted into Christ by true faith should not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you work, you expect that you will get paid. At some point in your life, you might have started a new job. You might have had questions about that job, such as, how long will the workday be? Uh, whom will I be working with? And, of course, how much will I be getting paid? But when someone starts a new job, no one asks, will I be getting paid? That's just assumed. However, things are different in our relationship to God. Think of our justification before God. God does not use a payment for work scheme in our justification, where God declares us righteous. God simply declares us righteous as a free gift. You cannot earn it. In fact, if we try to work for our justification, Scripture says we will never be declared righteous before God. This is how Paul puts it in Romans 4. Now, to the man who works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. But to the man who does not work, but trusts in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. To the one who does not work. So God justifies us by his grace alone as a gift, through faith alone and Jesus Christ alone, apart from any of our works. Now having heard that, we might rejoice, but we also might have questions uh, scripture does talk a lot about our works. Where does this leave our works? They're important, aren't they? The, if the gospel of grace is really true, do we ignore those sections of the Bible that, that speak about our works and the importance of, of our works? Well, of course not. But what, is it, what does this all mean for our good works and our striving to live a holy life? That's essentially the, the theme for our sermon this afternoon and we'll see that our works first do not give us a right standing before God. 
Second, they're still rewarded by God's grace. And third, flow from our faith in Christ. The Lord's Day 24 begins by asking, why can our good works not be our righteousness before God, or at least a part of it? And what an important question. We need to know how we're righteous before God. Finding righteousness before God is the difference between heaven and hell. That's how important it is. Now, before we answer this question, we must first know what, what righteousness is. What, what is righteousness? We use that word a lot. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a righteous person? You could understand it like this. A righteous person is someone who does what is right or just. A righteous person is someone who has lived up to the standards of God's law. Righteousness is the quality of being conformed to God's law in your life. So knowing this, we can now change question 62 to say this. Why can our good works not be what God looks at in us in order to say, this person is a just person who has kept my law perfectly, I will accept him. Why can't our good works be for that? Why can't just be a little bit? Well, this is the struggle the Galatian church was going through. The question in the book of Galatians is not whether we need Christ as Savior or not. Those people knew, they acknowledged they need, needed Jesus as their Savior. The question was, can we add anything to the work of Christ to be made right with God? Do we need to add anything to the work of Christ to be made right with God? That was the question. And the Judaizers were saying, yes, a person needs Christ, but they also need circumcision. Or else it's not good enough. It was the gospel of Christ plus. As Paul says, that's no gospel at all. The catechism gets it right. Our works cannot be our righteousness before God or even a part of it. Not Christ plus circumcision. Not Christ plus some of our good works. And why not? I'll give you three reasons. First, God requires complete perfection. He's holy. He's just. You cannot lower the standards of his holiness, his just requirements. You cannot lower the standards of his law in order to declare us righteous. Any amount of sin is rebellion. So our good works must be perfect. And they're not. Second, even if we could live a perfect life from the point of our conversion to our last breath, still not good enough. God requires perfect righteousness our entire life long. So we can't do more than perfect to make up for the times where we were not perfect. It doesn't work that way. Third, our good works cannot be our righteousness before God because in Christ we have what we need. All that we need to be accepted before God. Righteousness in Him. 
cannot add to his perfect work. Scripture is clear. Through faith in Christ, we have this righteousness, the righteousness we need. It's it's credited to our account as a gift through faith in him. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, Christ himself is our righteousness. He's our righteousness. We can't add to it. And we don't need to either. This is why Paul asks the Galatians in chapter 3. There he says, Did you receive the Spirit of God through works or, or, or by faith? That's essentially what he asked. Did you receive the Spirit of God through works or by faith? You see, the giving of the Spirit to someone was a sure sign that that person is accepted by God. After all, if someone were still under the wrath of God, they would never be given the Holy Spirit. After all, who who moves into the house of an enemy to dwell there? Likewise, the Spirit does not dwell in the hearts of the enemies of God. He's given to the children of God. But what does Paul say in Galatians 3? You receive the Spirit by faith. Not by works. By faith in Jesus Christ. And that proves without a doubt that our right standing before God is through faith in Christ. Apart from our works. It was the same thing in the book of Acts. Read through the book of Acts. You can see that same point. God showed he accepted the Gentiles by giving them the Spirit when they believed. They didn't need to believe and then be circumcised in order to receive the Spirit. No. They simply needed the faith of Abraham. God showed he accepted them when they believed. That's why it was such a big deal that Peter would not eat with the Gentiles in in Galatians 2. He was not acting in line with the, with the gospel. He was acting as if God had not accepted the Gentiles yet. But God showed that he did. And if we were to make our works part of our right standing before God, Galatians 2 says we would nullify the grace of God. Make it of none effect. Essentially abolish it. And Paul says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Christ will do all, or he will do nothing. Brings us to our second point. The Catechism moves on from here and then asks another question related to our works. But do our good works earn nothing, even though God promises to reward them in this life, and the next. And we might wonder something like this also. After all, Scripture does talk a lot about the importance of uh, obeying God's law, doing good works, those sorts of things. Do they count for nothing? Well, let's make this more practical. Let's say in your own personal devotions, you come across a verse in the Bible that speaks about rewards through works. That happens. How should, you re- how should you read that? Take, for example, Psalm 19, which says this. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. In keeping them, there is great 
reward. How should we read those words? How should we understand them in light of the gospel of Christ? And in your relationship with God. Well, this is how we should first read them. In the first place, read them in light of Christ. In the first place. Christ has kept the rules of the Lord perfectly. He has received the great reward from God. God the Father. By his perfect law-keeping and obedience, he has merited for us eternal life. That's why we receive it as a gift. So in the first place, read it in light of Christ. But we don't stop there either. We also read them in light of the Christian's pursuit of obedience and holiness. There are still rewards as believers strive to keep God's law. There there are still rewards. Even though we obey imperfectly, there are rewards. And the Catechism doesn't deny this at all. It affirms it. Of course, we don't merit anything, but there are rewards. And the rewards we receive from our obedience can be given both in this life and the life to come. Now, sometimes this reward that comes through obeying God's law, simply flows naturally out of obedience to God. See, because of God's design for the world, obedience naturally brings blessings. And and disobedience, inherently, it it brings hardship and pain into our life. For example, if we go around cheating other people, gossiping and slandering, getting drunk or high, committing sexual morality, you name it. It's going to bring hardship. That's how God has designed the world. There's no good reward in that type of life. But by avoiding sin as much as we can, we we can generally, generally speaking, live a life of harmony and peace. And that's part of the reward of obedience. God has designed the world that life would flourish when his law is obeyed. So that's part of the reward of good works. And sometimes God rewards his children for specific works too. Think of a parent with their child. Uh, They might reward their child for something good that they did. God sometimes does the same. You can read that in scripture. Scripture also talks about living a life pleasing to God. That's not legalism. It's not falling to works righteousness. No, indeed, God is pleased when his children pursue obedience. When you pursue obedience, God is pleased by that. It doesn't mean you're earning his love. No, Christ has done that. But God is still pleased when you pursue obedience in your life. Let that motivate you as well. Remember, as you pursue obedience, you can can know, yes, this is pleasing to my Father. He delights in seeing this in his children. Let that motivate you. Now, that being said, perhaps you wonder about Christians who go through great suffering. Right? If, If God rewards good works, And what about Christians who go through lots of suffering 
Are they extra sinful, perhaps? Are they being punished? Well, that's sometimes the conclusions we make, but Scripture uh, cautions us in this regard, regard. Remember two things. Remember, first of all, Job. Right? He was upright and blameless, trusted in God, and yet he experienced terrible hardship. His friends told him, yeah, you must have done something specifically wrong, but it wasn't the case. We can't assume that about ourselves or other people. Remember one, one more thing. The reward we receive may only be in the next life. In this life, maybe we receive a lot more suffering than, than gladness. But as we continue to pursue faithfulness in the midst of hardship and suffering, there will be reward. There will be. It will be there in eternal life. So do not lose heart in the midst of trial. Be faithful. God promises reward. Now we see the Catechism's answer that it does not deny that God rewards good works, but it does deny that we earn it. It's still a gift of grace when God rewards us. Why does the Catechism say this? Well, our best works are still defiled with sin. As Paul says in Philippians 2, it is God who works in us to will and to work according to his good pleasure. So when we, when we do pursue obedience, we can't take credit ourselves. This is the work of God in us, primarily. We, we don't have room for boasting. And yet, as God works in us by his Holy Spirit to conform us to his law, by his grace, he still rewards us as a gift. And we can be thankful for that. Brings us to our last point. The Catechism gives us one more question and answer in Lord's Day 24. There we read, But does this teaching not make people careless and wicked? And this has been the age-old objection to the gospel of grace. The Apostle Paul, he anticipated this objection already in the gospel of Romans. He heard it too. After explaining the gospel of grace, he asks, what shall we say to this? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? And of course, the answer is no. And the catechism summarizes scripture when it says, it is impossible that those grafted into Christ by true faith should not bring forth fruits of thankfulness. Impossible. What does it mean to be grafted into Christ? Well, it means to be joined to him. We're joined to him by faith. Christ lives in you. Think of a vine and a branch. Sometimes a vine dresser will make a little notch in a vine. It will attach a branch into it so that the new branch becomes joined to the vine. And if the graft is good and the vine is good, then the branch will begin to bear fruit. 
Well, we, beloved, are vitally connected to Jesus Christ by faith. He lives in you. You live in him by faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And being vitally joined to Christ by faith means that we will produce fruits of thankfulness. It will happen in this way. True faith will not make a person lazy in in living the Christian life. It will not make them wicked. No. Look at how Paul speaks in Galatians 2. There he says, But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ and a servant of sin? The answer is, of course not. But then he speaks about his union with Christ by faith and, and how that makes him live a new life. This is what he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Union with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Union with Christ. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is what changed the Apostle Paul. Yes, he was accepted before God by grace through Jesus Christ, but then he was changed by Jesus Christ, who lived in him. It's the same for us. When Christ lives in us by faith, we will be changed. We'll live for God. It's impossible that we wouldn't be changed. And consider one more thing. Consider the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Paul told the Galatians, you received the Spirit when you believed, not by your works. It showed you were accepted as a gift. What, what happens to a person who has the Spirit of God living in them? Of course, they will be changed by that same Spirit. This is what the Spirit does. The Spirit of God convicts us of sin, gives us repentance unto life. The Holy Spirit changes our hearts so that we would obey God's commandments more. The Spirit of God writes the commandments of God on our hearts and on our minds. And it's through the Spirit that we will produce fruit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, all the rest. That's what the Spirit will do for us. And finally, the Spirit of God causes us to be born again. 1 John 3, verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. That's the work of the Spirit. Beloved, we are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And as we believe in him, we will be changed by him as well. Amen.